April 21st, 1918, a plane was shot down, and it was not just any ordinary plane. It was shot down in the country of France. The setting was World War II. The plane was a German plane. The pilot was named Manfred von Richthofen, better known as the Red Baron. And up to this point, he had been charged with or credited with 80 kills in World War I. An unthinkable amount of victory and survival rate for this successful German pilot. He was so focused on the plane that he was pursuing that he pursued it into a very dangerous territory. He was chasing a Canadian pilot who was flying for the Royal Air Force and he was determined to get kill number 81. And as he pursued, he didn't recognize the fact that he left the battle zone and traveled too far across into enemy territory. He traveled too far, making himself susceptible to danger. He was so determined to get kill number 81 that he traveled too low into enemy territory. He didn't recognize that there were gunners on the ground ready to shoot him. And he traveled too long into enemy territory that he didn't recognize that there were some enemy allied planes flying behind him. And as a result, on April 21st, 1918, the Red Baron traveled too far, too low, and too long into enemy territory, and he was shot down and killed. He thought he was safe, and he lost his life. Too often, many of us as Christians are shot down because we think we're safe. And we're shot down because we pursue too far, too low, and too long into enemy territory. We pursue the temptations that the devil would fight against us. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 11 through 13. Today we're going to look at three simple points in our lessons. This morning we're going to look at how we can triumph over temptation through the two words, I resist. And then for our worship period, we're going to look at how we can follow the example of Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and be determined to press. And then in the afternoon service, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5 where Jesus calls his disciples and calls us to launch out into the deep. And I propose that these are three keys for victory for us as Christians, that we need to resist, we need to press, and we need to launch. So as you begin this new week, make this be a new beginning for you. Not just another Sunday, not just another day, not just another gospel meeting, but say, look at how you are focused on living as a Christian and be determined to resist, to press, and to launch. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13 tells us, about two extremes. It tells us about the dangers of temptation, that the dangers of temptation are so great, we need to be on guard against them because they can destroy our souls. But at the same time, the dangers of temptation are so great, we can take confidence in the fact that the protection of God against temptation is even far superior. In a context in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, talking to the brethren in Corinth about their forefathers, about the, the Jews 
in the wilderness, the Hebrews in the wilderness, how they thought that they had partaken of the spiritual food of manna. They had passed through the Red Sea and been baptized in the cloud. They were God's chosen people, but yet they fell to temptation. And the warning to the brethren in Corinth and the warning to you and I, every single one of us, is you need to be on guard against temptation. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages has come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In these verses, we see a charge, we see the danger, and we see the who. The charge is, take heed. There are spaces that are empty beside you because someone did not guard against temptation and they're no longer here. There are children who grew up in the church that we are familiar with or that maybe attended here, attended other places, that are not here because they did not heed the lesson of temptation. There are even preachers and elders that have struggled in the past because they haven't listened to the warning of temptation. So, this is a lesson that is significant. The charge is, take heed. The danger is, death and destruction. It, this is what it's all about. If you don't get this message about overcoming temptation and being on watch against it, you've lost everything. And I think what it is easy for us as Christians is we think, well, we've been transformed and we're not like the world and so we don't have struggles with temptation anymore and we let our guard down. And when you look at this passage, it says, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. This is a lesson for our children. This is a lesson for our teenagers. This is a lesson for young Christians. This is a lesson for old Christians. And especially... If you right now are thinking that this isn't really something you need to pay attention to, if you've been blessed with faithful brethren, a faithful life, not a lot of struggles, if you're thinking this isn't really something that you should pay attention to, you're the one that needs to listen to this the most. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Temptations we read are common to all of us and listen to this description of what temptation is. Horace Mann said, Temptation is a fearful word. It indicates the beginning of a possible series of infinite evils. It is the ringing of an alarm bell whose melancholy sounds may reverberate through eternity. Like the sudden sharp cry of fire under our windows by night. It should rouse us to instantaneous action and rouse every muscle to its highest tension. The Scriptures tell us over and over again we need to be on guard against temptation. Look, another key passage we should look at is James chapter 1. Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come. 
James 1 and verse 2 tells us that we will fall into various trials and temptations and we need to be on guard. Verse 12 says, <coughs> Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. <clears throat> but let each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. King David teaches us that even the best of God's leaders are susceptible to temptation. So let's talk about temptation. How can we overcome it? You need to recognize that some in this crowd today or this week may be tempted to doubt their faith in God to wonder if it's worth it to be a Christian. Some this week may be tempted to spread a hateful word of gossip, to turn on the computer and look at pornography. Some will be tempted to insult their spouse, to bring down a fist, a fist of anger on a child, to be consumed with financial worries. <clears throat> Some of our young people, you may be tempted to lie to your parents. You may be tempted to pick up a cigarette, a glass of alcohol, to experiment with drugs. <clears throat> Teenagers, you may be tempted to pursue sexually immoral lusts. Husbands and wives, you may be tempted to carry on a conversation with someone who's not your spouse that you shouldn't carry on, to flirt, to talk or touch inappropriately to maybe talk online or to meet in secret. You may be tempted. Whatever you're tempted is right now, I want you to look at the worksheet that I passed out. This isn't something that we're going to have you stand up and read and we're not going to collect it and you don't have to fill it out right now. But I want you as we go through this lesson to think about what you're struggling with and what you're struggling with and what you may be tempted with can be completely different than what I struggle with or what someone else sitting next to you is struggling with. But if you don't make application, then the purpose of our class is pointless. So go through and, and work through this worksheet and you can do it now or you can do it later. The danger is real. But what we are blessed with in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 <coughs> is that God is faithful. If you look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at these promises that God is faithful. As we emphasize the dangers of temptation, you can be encouraged that God makes temptation defeatable, escapable, and bearable. It is defeatable because the text says in verse 13, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. <clears throat> so listen, <clears throat> as, listen as you look at this. God will not allow it. God did not allow Goliath to defeat David. God did not allow it. God did not allow the lions to defeat Daniel. God did not allow the fiery furnace to singe one thread of clothing on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God did not allow Satan to keep Jesus in Hades. 
this same God that didn't allow those things to happen is making a promise to you that He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. God also makes temptation escapable. The text says that we can have a way of escape. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And God allows temptation to be bearable. In verse 13, he says, you may be able to bear it. But as, as we read this, I want to emphasize that while on one hand we see the overwhelming protection and promises of God to help us overcome in temptation, the very fact that God is so abundant and powerful in protecting us and helping us through temptation is an evidence that temptation itself is serious and is a danger for us to give heed to. I think what happens to us as Christians is we think, we read, oh, God says He gives me a way of escape. He's going to bear it, make it bearable for us, and it, He's going to deliver us. And so we don't need to pay mind to the temptation that I might face this week because we're going to be fine. The very fact that God is abundant in His provision to help us overcome temptation is a, a statement to the fact that Temptation is something that we need to pay attention to, that we need to be on guard against. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 15 through So we stress the, the importance of being alert to temptation. Whether you're young, whether you're old, a new Christian, or a mature Christian, the danger is there, the provision is there. Now what's the answer? How can we overcome this? There's no per- person better to go to than Jesus. Because He is the master teacher to help us overcome temptation, and He is actually the model of how to overcome temptation. Hebrews chapter 4, and verses 15-16 through 16 tells us, that Jesus is our high priest. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore <coughs> come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the one that we look to, who endured the cross, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We look at how he fought temptation with the devil in Matthew chapter 4, and then we see what he did when he was tempted with the cross in Matthew chapter 26. What do we find Jesus doing when he was facing the greatest temptation of all? Thank you, Wayne. When he's in the garden, he's praying. And as he is going through the greatest temptation of all in facing the cross, what are the words that he says to his apostles? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, he says two things. He says, watch and pray. 
So these are the two things I want you to carry with you this week to overcome temptation is to recognize there's no better person to go to to follow his example, and that's Jesus, because he's the only one who lived through this life and overcame temptation. And he's the greatest teacher. And what did he say to his disciples? He had two things to say, and he told them to watch and pray. Watch, be sober, be vigilant, to refrain from sleep. I've been recently reading through some accounts of the Civil War. And there's these different stories I'll read. And one of them talked about how that different soldiers that would be on watch, that if they fell asleep while they were on watch, that they would be hung or executed because of the danger of the battle that they were facing. It's important to watch and not fall asleep. So we need to watch. Jesus says, watch. What do we need to watch? Watch, first of all, what you put into your mind. Look at Psalm 119 and in verse 9. So whatever you put on your list, think of the struggles that you have, how you're going to overcome that temptation. What are you going to do? First thing you need to do is watch what you put into your mind. And this is the key to protection from sin. Because Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? The answer is finding protection in the word of God. Your word I have hidden in my heart, verse 11, that I might not sin against you. It's exactly what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempted by the devil. What did he do? He answered with, tempta- with, with Scripture. He answered temptation with Scripture. I've heard stories of parents when their children are getting older and they're asking about if they could participate in certain activities. And I see the wisdom of parents that will talk to their children and say, well, you go to the Bible... And you find out what God says about this issue or this activity. And then you come back and tell me whether or not you think that you can participate in it. We need to point our young people to God's Word to find the answers about how they can respond to the temptations of life. Every time Satan knocks, let Jesus answer by using Scripture to give you a guide for how you should respond. And as you do that, Find verses that have to do with your temptation, with your struggle. And then surround yourself with those verses. Post them on your mirror. Post them in your house. Fill your mind with good things rather than turning to the world. How often my week will go better if I listen to songs of praise, if I listen to sermons in the car, if I go to gospel meetings, if I associate with brethren, if I think on good things and put God's Word in my heart, then that's going to protect me from falling into temptation. The mind is a powerful thing. Someone said, sow a thought, then you reap a deed. And then you sow that deed, and that will reap a habit. Then you sow that habit, and you're going to reap eternal consequences. Think on good things. Set your mind on things above. Guard your heart. And in doing that, you can overcome temptation. Watch what you put into your mind. A vacant mind invites dangerous inmates. So as you do that, say, all right, whatever it is that you're struggling with, I'm going to find verses, I'm going to pour God's Word into my heart and think about good things. Watch 
Be sober and be vigilant and watch what you put into your mind. Something else that you need to do is watch where you go. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. You will not find support when you divorce yourself from your brethren. You need the support of being with your brethren, assembling with your brethren, being around your brethren. What an encouragement it is to find strength in your brethren. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 to 25, look at the blessings of assembling with one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. As I read this passage, I see we receive hope, we receive love, we're stirred, and we produce good works when we assemble together. And we're reminded of that. I know that uh, one thing that I really admire about your family here and your fellowship is that you enjoy being together and you're assembling together and you talk and you encourage one another. Uh, when my children come here, sometimes I'll say, one time I said to them, I said, well, did you talk to Arthur Haynes? And then they said, you can't go to College View and not talk to Arthur Haynes. There are many of you with that same spirit of Brother Haynes as you talk to one another. And then not only that, then you're always wanting to be together and associate with one another, not just here at the building. And that is a strength. And that strength is evidenced in the wonderful young people that you have here. Because they want to be together. And they want to be together because your parents want to be together. The brethren want to be together, and it's so important. These are all things that are going to help us overcome temptation. Just something as silly as uh, maybe having a, a cereal party. I took Jessica and some of her friends, and we were headed to Henry's house, and we stopped at the Dollar General, and they were wanting to get all their cereal, and they were dressed in their pajamas because they were going to dress like they were eating cereal. So they had a cereal party at Henry's house, and so I was a little embarrassed to go in with them. So I said, I'm going to walk behind you. And they're walking in with their pajamas. And then sure enough, we walk into the store and there's a guy without a shirt on and other people that are that are dressed ridiculously. And so then they get their cereal and then they're going to check out. And the people in front and the people behind us, they're buying beer and cigarettes. And then I think, what a blessing it is that I have children who want to associate with Christians that are here, young people, and they're so excited about being together and they're just buying a box of cereal when everybody else in the world is excited about pursuing things of the world or escaping their troubles through alcohol. And that is so significant because you are providing an environment for your children not to give in to temptation because you're helping them watch where they go by associating with one another providing that environment. So I thank you for providing that environment for my children. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. We've seen that. The children are influenced by the company they keep. When they're around mischievous children, then they act mischievous. Or when they're around faithful, well-behaved children, they can much more easily behave well. 
Look at Psalm 1, the description of the godly man stays strong because of his association. His association with God and his disassociation with the world. Psalm 1 in verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The the strength of a mighty tree is a demonstration of a man who overcomes temptation. And what the connection is, he's associated with God, God's Word, and he's not associated with the ungodly. He doesn't walk, he doesn't stand, he doesn't sit in the association of those that are wicked. So last week, I was cutting down a tree. We were, we've got a, a small uh, pig empire. We've got eight pigs now. And Monty and, and Josh have been aware of it and coming out and, and seeing it. And I was trying to expand their area. And so I was putting up fence posts. And right in line of where the fence was going to go was this big tree that had fallen down. So my chainsaw stopped working, so I got out the axe. And I just started whacking away and... And I was doing that, I was, I started feeling excited, thinking, you know, this is something mainly to do, and I'm whacking and whacking, and then, and then I just realized so many things about the strength of a tree, that God in nature teaches us about the strength, that this tree is even knocked over, and I'm having to hit it multiple times, multiple times, and then finally, it gives way, and you see, God can bless us with strength, and He tells us that it's like this tree that's going to be able to withstand blow after blow after blow of the world because it's rooted in truth and rooted in God. That's what's going to help us overcome temptation. That's what we need to bless our children with, is to bless them with an association that is faithful. And you need to make a commitment to be associated with faithful brethren. Be determined to associate with faithful brethren. And then Psalm 1 tells us to make sure that we don't follow the crowd. And as you do that, start now. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. And the emphasis in this passage isn't just that if you're old, that you, it's too late. The emphasis is no matter what your age, the point is start now to fight against temptation. And to our young people, do not feel like you need to experiment with sin in order to grow up or to test your faith. Someone said it's better to shun the net than to struggle in the snare. And I'd like to read a quote from a woman who was in AA. And this is what she said about drinking. Hi, I'm Connie. I'm an alcoholic. I've been an admitted alcoholic for almost two years now. I quit drinking for a few months. Actually made it to nine months last year. And then I tell myself I can have just one. And before you know it, I'm back to drinking gin by the court. Alcoholism is an ugly disease. Today is another day one for me. Don't take the first drink. You may think you can handle it, but in the end you can't. So here's a woman 
who is fighting and is caught in the net of alcoholism, wishing that she hadn't taken the first drink. And so, whatever stage you're in, especially to our young people, don't take the first drink. Don't smoke the first cigarette. Don't look the first time at pornography. Because the desire for sin only becomes greater after we partake. Start now and don't take the first step of sin. <coughs> so Jesus says, you can overcome temptation. So be thinking about what you may be putting on your sheet or what you'll put on your sheet later. Say, alright, I'm going to be on guard against sin because I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch what I put in my mind. I'm going to fill my mind with Scripture. I'm going to reject the thoughts of the world. And I'm going to watch where I go. I'm going to stay faithful, assemble with brethren, and avoid the world. And then the next thing Jesus says is to pray. What is significant about prayer and how it will help you overcome temptation? Someone said this, to realize God's presence is the one sovereign remedy against temptation. That when we want to commit sin, we don't want to be around other people. We want to do it in the dark. We don't want to be around brethren. We don't want to be thinking of God. We cast all that out of our mind because we fool ourselves into thinking we can hide things from God and hide things from other people. Prayer is something that keeps us constantly attuned to our spiritual condition and God's presence. Prayer is a key to triumphing over temptation. To realize God's presence is the one sovereign remedy against temptation. Look at James chapter 4 and in verses 7 through 10. The key to overcoming temptation is to watch and then to pray. And when we pray, what we're doing is submitting to God. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. So when I read this, the goal is we want to resist temptation. Resist the devil. We want him to flee from us. We don't want to be caught in the net of sin. How do you do that? This passage is all filled with humble yourself, repent, mourn, submit. Instead of saying, my spouse doesn't treat me right so I can go find attention from someone else. Or my parents don't understand me and my friends understand me better so I can go disobey my parents. Or we make excuse after excuse and we justify it rather than humbly submitting ourselves to God. Successful resistance to sin comes from submitting to God. Read this story to give us an illustration of how important it is to submit to God. And it's a story about this Jesus knocks on the door of this man, and this man has a two story house. And he lets Jesus in and he says, You can come stay in the upstairs bedroom. So Jesus is upstairs in one of the rooms, and then that night, Satan pounds on the door. And he pounds so ferociously on the door, the man cracks open the door. Satan barges in and wreaks havoc of the house. The next day, the man says to Jesus, 
Satan pounding the door, why didn't you protect me? And Jesus said, you just gave me one room of the house. He said, okay, well, I'll let you, you can have the upstairs. That same night, Satan pounds on the door. He goes and he cracks open the door. Satan opens, barges in, wreaks havoc in the house. The next day, the same man asked Jesus the same story. He says, why didn't you help me, Jesus? He said, you only gave me the upstairs. He said, okay, you can have the whole house. So then that night, Satan pounds on the door. And then Jesus answers. And then Satan says, oh, I'm sorry, I must be at the wrong house. You look at that example and you see we can't relegate Jesus to just a corner part of our life. We have him for a few hours on Sunday, a few times when we're around our brethren, a little bit on Wednesday, and then we go back to pursuing whatever we want to pursue. Satan will wreak havoc. He needs to have complete submission from our heart from the time we wake up throughout our whole day to the time we go to bed that we have wholly committed ourselves to serving God. And a way that we can do that is through prayer. Pray for what? Pray for protection. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, when Jesus taught us how to pray, this is one of the things He included in His very brief prayer. He said, Pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So not only pray about the temptations you're struggling with, but also pray that you don't fall into future temptation. Pray for deliverance. Pray for protection. If you pray before, during, and after every struggle, you will ultimately conquer it. What was Jesus doing before He was tempted in the, in the wilderness? He was fasting for 40 days. Certainly He was praying, and He overcame the attacks of Satan. What was Jesus doing before He was arrested he was praying in the garden. What was he doing throughout his whole ministry? Going up on a mountain, going to a deserted place. He was taking time to pray. What was he doing while he was on the cross? He was praying. So teenagers, before you go out with your friends or you go out on a date, if you pray before, during, and after, you'll be guarded. You say, oh, well, that's silly. The friends I'm hanging out with, that would be silly to pray with them or the girl or the boy that I'm interested in, that would be embarrassing. Well, if they're too embarrassed, if you're too embarrassed to pray with them, then that's somebody you shouldn't be associating with. What protection can you have if you go through life being determined to pray? Pray for protection. And pray for the strength to say no. When you look at the way of escape that you need, You need to have the wisdom to be able to overcome temptation. And Jesus gives us that way of escape. How can you overcome it? Well, if you look at your worksheet, I just want to go over this so you can know what you can do to be specific. Because if you go through life not being on guard, you're going to certainly fall. So identify your temptation. Submit to God. Commit to serving Him first. So today you say... I'm going to serve God no matter what. Watch. Ask yourself this question. What places, people, or things do you need to avoid and watch out for? Maybe it's certain television shows. Maybe you need to throw your computer in the trash. Maybe you need to get rid of cable. Maybe you need to limit your time on your phone. Maybe it's certain associations that you have. Certain people you know that tempt you. Make an active, concerted effort to watch 
who you should avoid. And then think about who makes you stronger. Write that down when you have time in your private moments and use this as a tool so that you can find your way of escape. Pray. Times you will commit to specifically praying about your temptation. Say, this is a trouble. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. I'm going to confess this to my spouse or pray about it with my family or I'm going to find a brother in the congregation and have somebody that's going to be I'm going to be accountable to and we're going to pray about this. Study, find passages that deal with your temptation. Commit them to memory, read them over. If you're doing these things, you're going to be filled with tools that you need to overcome temptation. Assemble, times that you will assemble with your brethren as as a whole as the church and then also just from house to house. Company, people that will encourage you to fall. People you should be on guard against. People you should avoid. And then make a commitment rather than spending all your time thinking how you're going to fight against sin and then let yourself be empty. Instead, think, what can you do to be busy doing good things? What good things can you fill your time with? Serving other people. Serving the kingdom. Teaching other people the gospel. If you're doing those things, then you won't be as tempted to fall. And then think about whatever it is you're struggling with and then ask yourself these questions. Does the Bible prohibit this activity? Would I want to be doing this activity the very moment Christ returns? So think of something specific that you're wrestling with and answer these questions honestly. Is this an activity I hide from my brethren? If you're hiding it, why? Does it destroy my mind or my body? Would I do this activity with Jesus? Will this activity interfere with my duty to win lost souls to Christ? Does my conduct cause others to stumble? Would you want a small child to see you do this? Those times we'll say, oh, this is just for adults, or you tell your children to go away. Would you want, would, would this be something you could see Jesus doing? And does your conscience already question it? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, when God provides a way of escape, are you looking for that way of escape? Be diligent and active as you watch and you pray for this way of escape. Let's look at James chapter 1 and in verse 12. So, as we conclude, temptations, I want you to be impressed with the fact that temptations are not just for somebody who's a new Christian. What kind of temptations do great men and women in Scripture face? And what we learn from that is that the devil is going to work even harder on those that are stronger. The devil never gave up on Joseph and just pounded him and pounded him and pounded him. And then Joseph stayed faithful even in spite of great sacrifice. Look at what the devil did with David. Just pursued him and pursued him and David fell. Look at how focused the devil was with Jesus. Pursued him and pursued him with all that he had and took him to the cross and did the unthinkable 
and slaughtered him. Jesus understands the attack of the devil. And so we need to be on guard against that and recognize that it's through this that we learn to trust in God, we learn to continue to watch and pray, and we stay stronger and we give glory to God. And that's why James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. And so for the rest of your life, recognize temptations will come, but if you stay ever focused, watching and praying, following Jesus as your example, then you can be determined to not be like those who go too far, too long, and too low into enemy territory pursuing temptation. Flee, resist, and be determined to watch and pray. Thank you.